It's time to get real with Robin. Join veteran broadcaster Robin Cote and her co-hosts, known as The Collective, as they delve into subject matters that most are afraid to talk about, but need to hear. And now, get ready to get real. We are not born with a sense of embarrassment, nor is there any sort of universal standard for what is and what is not embarrassing. Instead, it is a culturally sensitive concept taught to us by our family and our peers. A concept we accept without reflection because the burden of embarrassment appears to be universal, an inherent part of being human. Yet in reality, being embarrassed is a personal choice, a choice over which you have complete control. That's right, no matter how many people judge you, the choice to accept or reject that judgment and be embarrassed by it rests solely within you. Now you might not think that this is a big deal, but consider how many times fear of embarrassment might have restrained you in some way, either on a personal or professional level. Perhaps you were too embarrassed to admit to a friend you didn't have any money to go out. Perhaps you want to seek promotion and feel embarrassed by the potential that you will be rejected and mocked. In my legal career, I saw embarrassment play out in more serious ways. With those with drug addiction that was instigated by being a victim of physical or sexual abuse, they were too embarrassed to report. In fact, this very episode was inspired by someone who was a victim of a crime that she is too scared to report out of a sense of embarrassment, out of fear of being seen as stupid. To this, the collective says enough is enough. Now, can one podcast rid you of embarrassment? Doubtful, but it is the hope of your co-host, Kirk Nurmi, and the queen of the collective. We have to call her the queen. (laughs) Robin Cote, that this difficult conversation starts you down the path of lessening the impact of embarrassment. That embarrassment has on your life. Yeah, man, that's a tough topic. I know when you contacted me and said we needed to do another show I put something forth to you about a a young lady who actually contacted me and she was catfished horribly and that's the person you're referring to she was too embarrassed to come on the show and actually tell her story because she felt so stupid for believing that this person she met online this prince charming if you will was the guy that trashed her life She allowed that to happen. And the hardest thing for her when she talked to me through an email, she said that um, she was really embarrassed. She didn't know how to talk about it. And she had heard one of our previous episodes and said, maybe we can talk about these kind of things. And I remember the conversation you and I had. And it's like, well, I don't know about the catfish thing, but think about the embarrassment thing. We live and breathe our lives every day being judged by so many people. And that is so difficult for a lot of people. Would you agree? Yeah, it really is. And, and when, this, when we had our discussion and this topic started coming to life, if you will, uh, for this show, I thought about how broad-reaching it was, you know, in my life. And, and probably everybody has the same sort of scenario, right? Like everybody's family has what you might call family secrets. Oh, the ghost in the closet. Right, the ghost yeah. in the closet. And that's why I talk about them being culturally sensitive because 
my big family secret at the time was that my grandmother was divorced and remarried. She Ooh. was the sing- right? And, but that was at a time when that was a big deal, right? To be right. a single mom, you know, in the 40s and 50s. And, and to, to, to be out there on the dating scene, what have you, right? You're that was outcast. a big deal. I know, yeah. it was outcast. But that was the big, to her, that was embarrassing because probably something that her parents taught her in the, you know, 20s or 30s, right? That that was embarrassing. That wasn't you're supposed to be. And so, and it goes all the way, you know, you think about kids, you know, we learn from our peers at grade school, like that we have the wrong label on our jeans or on our tennis shoes and stuff like that, right? And so we're embarrassed because we're poor, right? Um, You know, so there's so many different angles that, that this takes, or different forms, I should say, rather than angles. And it does all come down you know, at its core is a fear of judgment of others, a fear of rejection, um, which is somewhat tribal in its origin, right? We don't want to get kicked out of the tribe because back in the day, you got kicked out of the tribe, you were on your own, you were going to get eaten by animals and things like that. So we have, I think, over a sense of time, um, over our evolution, we still have that sense of wanting to belong and wanting to fit in and that sort of thing, right? So, um, you know, fashion trains fashion trends change all those things and we want to be cool we want to be fit in because we don't want to be embarrassed because of the car we drive or the clothes are outdated or whatever and and that really can affect so much in our lives it's such a huge huge topic to uh delve into but we can see how it can manifest right if somebody's making fun of you for your pants in fifth grade you're probably over it by now right but maybe not because maybe some of those lessons you learned about judgment, about being stupid, et cetera, translate into you not wanting to call law enforcement because you got catfished online. Yeah. And with her situation, she said I could talk about it to some degree, but she didn't want to come on the show again because she felt really embarrassed about it. And I've had several other friends who have contacted me lately and told me they were catfished too. So we know this is something that happens all the time, all the time. And, you know, even going back in my own situation years ago, I started dating in 2003 after my husband died in 01. I was prompted by a lot of friends to do online dating. But back then in 2003, it wasn't as big as it is now. I was really embarrassed to say that I met my last husband online on Match.com. And it was such a horrible experience getting through the the beginning of that relationship and learning that he had lied on his profile and we were married when I found out all of these secrets about him, I was really embarrassed to tell everybody that I met him online. I told everybody I met him in Scottsdale. It wasn't a lie. Our first date was in Scottsdale, but I was so embarrassed at that time in my life as a widow being 30, how old was I? 35. I was so embarrassed. I didn't want to tell people that I had met him online But nowadays, that's how everybody's meeting everybody, apparently. And I've had friends who have told me recently, you need to do online dating. I'm like, oh, hell no. There's no way I'm doing that again. Because I, again, had another situation arise a couple of years ago, back in 2018, where I broke a a cardinal rule, which is don't date people who are in other states and don't meet people offline. But this person was a mutual friend of a mutual friend who I was introduced to, and we hit it off perfectly. Everything was fine. 
But then he came out here and stayed for a week, went back home, and I ended up getting ghosted for a while. The truth came out a little while later by his friends that he was after a quote-unquote celebrity to not only set him up for his future, to take care of his bills financially, but the bottom line was he was embarrassed by his group of friends because his girlfriend had dumped him for a younger, skinnier, and better-looking version of him. And these friends, now keep in mind, this guy was in his late 50s, 57 years old. He's a musician. He used to work in transportation, but retired because of a medical injury. And these are people in their 50s teasing him and embarrassing him because she dumped him. So he chose to go online, talk to a couple friends of mine, hook up with me, and chose to hurt me in the manner that he did only because he was so embarrassed by the fact that they were teasing him that he wasn't good enough. So he sought after me to be with somebody that was, I guess, higher than his girlfriend was in the ratings department, which was really stupid. But at 57 years of age, for him to be shunned by people and be feeling embarrassed because he felt he wasn't good enough that he reached out to start something with someone else with the wrong intention. So, you know, I understand being judged. I understand the embarrassment side of things. But I'm also in the mindset that as you get older, you learn how judgment from others affects you. And you start getting that that thing in your mind like, you know what, screw you. I don't care what you think of me. This is who I am. But that's a hard place to get to sometimes because we allow the judgment of others to get to us. And we've had this discussion so many times about self-love and that still kind of reigns true within this as well. Yeah, I think a lot of things do. Of course, I think we also we also learned about what it takes to date Robin, gentlemen. So you better have an Arizona driver's license, and she's not going to be online. So there we yeah, go. Yeah, no dating. I don't. I don't meet men <laughs> offline. I that's a that's a harsh lesson I've learned. No, thank you. But 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 <laughs> but all kidding all kidding aside, the, the the you know you 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 set up this this story where this guy was fifty seven years old, right? Right, and he's worried about judgment. You talk about. The the like the time sensitive nature of I met a guy online in two thousand three, but it wasn't cool then. And in two thousand now in two thousand twenty, it's it's pretty much universally yeah, so. Right? Everybody does it apparently. Yeah, and so that's what that's what makes it so. Um, I, don't know, I think it illustrates it maybe as such a transitory concept that maybe if we start looking at it that way, the associated fear goes away, right? Right. Because, again, if, if you were to, in 2003, if you were to tell your friends, hey, I met this guy online, you know, maybe there would have been some laughter, maybe there would have been some judgment. Now you do it, it's, it's, everybody's cool with it, right? Yeah, then it's you're like cool. it's about time you're doing it, that's what you get, you know? <laughs> so, but, but you're still you, and the only thing that's changed is the judgments in the, the society around you, right? Right. And, you know, I think I brought this up in other broadcasts before. When we talk about embarrassment as the fear of being judged, we think about it this way, too. The question becomes, if that worst-case scenario happens, you're judged. 2003, Robin comes out and tells her friends, I met this guy on whatever, Match.com, right? That was mm-hmm. it. And, um, and the question would be, if they judged you, then so what? 
right? True. That becomes that becomes yeah. the question, and it becomes the same bottom line question uh, for this young lady who who wrote in, right? Because, and I was thinking about her, and as I came in here today, thinking about, well, what sort of judgment is she fearing? And most specifically, probably she's fearing the judgment of the law enforcement officer that's going to take the report. That and because she actually sent this guy a plane ticket, $1,000 to, you know, do things and to get prepared to come out. She basically got taken financially right, a little but, bit as well. But, but you're, 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 uh, respectfully, you're, you're changing the subject there. You're talking about what happened to her. Yeah. But what I'm saying is the fear is that she will be judged for that. Right. And she hasn't told anybody. She hasn't told anybody because she knows that her family would be upset at her. Her son would be upset at her. Um, she's had a couple of friends that are going, where's this guy at? What happened to him? Didn't you send him a plane ticket? She doesn't know how to even address that, much less even go to the police officers because she has nobody in her camp right now that she can actually be honest with because she's so afraid of judgment. Right, but, but what I would say then in this regard is um, what, you know, for her to envision that worst case scenario and then say, so what? Okay, because it begins and I think, I'm going to restate this because I think it got lost in the discussion. Her initial embarrassment, point of embarrassment, would be contacting law enforcement. Right. That she would be judged because, you know, she got taken for, you know, all you did in there is justify her fear. Yeah. See, and you, and I know you're you're giving voice to her fear, but it still doesn't negate the point of, so what, right? Right. She was a victim of a crime and... So what's wrong with that, right? Because we could, and if her family or her parents judge her, or her parents and her kids judge her for that, that's okay too, because she still needs to be her, right? And right. we could translate this into anything. And and look, if your family's going to judge you or detach from you based on the fact that you are a victim of a crime, then maybe you're better off with some separation. I would agree because that's a toxic relationship to begin with. You should be able to voice your own opinion and be allowed to do that because that's who you are as an individual. But again, family, gosh. And, well, you know what? I would also I would also add to this, especially since this person is a, is a mother, is that what I would challenge her politely and lovingly to to answer the question: What sort of world or what sort of lesson? Is she teaching her children about the world? Like, I don't know if it's a, she, I think you said she had a son. She right, has a right, son, yeah. Right? What if her son was sexually assaulted by another guy and he was too embarrassed that people might think he's gay because he was sexually assaulted by another guy? That's what, she, even though it's not communicated, even though it's not vocalized, I think it's transmitted, right? Right. So what if... You know, he's a victim of something like this. Would she want him to come forward? Her act of standing in defiance of the of the fear of judgment could be the biggest gift she could give her son. Because then he in his life could say, okay, I'm not going to be embarrassed by this. I'm not going to be embarrassed because my wife or my husband left me or anything else, right? Because people can be embarrassed about so many things that the rest of us think are... Silly, right? Some people might be embarrassed if their spouse left them, embarrassed to tell their friends their boyfriend dumped them. But 
So what? And that's part of living open and, and connected. And and it also comes with the assumption that that other people don't have those same experiences. Like, how does she know that her mom didn't have a similar experience? And how does she know that she did not learn this technique of fear of judgment from her mother? My guess is she did, right? Because when I was a kid, that was it. Oh, my God, don't tell people that, that you know, your grandfather was uh, by marriage, not by biology. I mean, if she, you know, she, she would, that would have just broken her, even in the 70s and 80s, because it was so ingrained in her, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. And so what I would suggest to this woman is that she consider these other aspects of it, right? What she's teaching her kids, what she's teaching herself. And you said it perfectly as well. It goes back to self-love, you know, when we, t- when we take this in other contexts, right? Because ultimately this is no different than if she was, she was sexually assaulted. And That's she said, true. I'm sexually assaulted. And her mom might say, would you go out to the bar in a, in a you know, provocative skirt or something like that? You know, all those stereotypical things, right? But it is, if that were to happen, she's too embarrassed, you know, that it's the same concept, it's the same construct, it's the same fear of being judged for being stupid about what you're wearing or stupid about, you know, sending him money, sending this guy money, all this, and just do away with it. Because what, again, and I go back to this with fear, and I have a video on this on my YouTube channel, but what, what, what could possibly happen? These, all these people exit your life? Okay, then they probably didn't really love and support you anyway. Right. Yeah. 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 That's, you know, what's really funny too. Um, You're talking about her and her child. And I would agree with a lot of what you're saying because growing up in my household, I did not have good role models. My parents are still together, but I did not have good role models. And my mom wasn't really there for me as I was growing up. Neither was my father. I had to kind of feel my way around everything and learn it. And becoming a mom at 17 to a son, you know, I look at him now and the way that I approached it is I was balls out about everything. I had nothing to hide. He had a sister that was born one year right after him, but we didn't have his sister around us because my first husband, his father, decided he didn't want girl children. So as we've told this story before, I've always celebrated her birthday while he was growing up. I always was very honest and open about things that happened. I didn't talk about the abuse until he was old enough and asked about it. But I was always honest about the fact that he had a sibling in this world and he got to blow out candles on both sides of the cake because their birthday was the exact same day, just a year apart. So I was always open with him and sharing things with him about real, real things because my parents never did that for me. I could never have conversations with my parents that were reality-based. It was always being shoved off because they had other things to do and I wasn't important enough to them. So I chose to be a different parent because of it. And my son being 35 now loves the fact that we had that kind of relationship because it's made him a better human being. And some of the friends of his and even past girlfriends and his wife They all talk about how he is this kind of a person because of me instilling that in him because we're so afraid of judgment. We're so afraid of being embarrassed. I remember him as a child. The first time he cried, 
And he looked at me, and, and one of the other kids told him he shouldn't cry. Boys don't cry. I pulled my son aside. I gave him a hug, and I said, no, don't listen to that. I said, you have a heart and you have a soul, and it's okay to cry. I said, that doesn't make you weak. That makes you a strong human being that you're capable of facing the emotions you're going through and dealing with them. It's okay to cry when you're happy. It's okay to cry when you're sad. It's okay to cry when your animal dies. It's okay to be you. And I think we lose sight of that a lot because of the fear of judgment, especially I've I've not lived in a man's world as a man. I've lived in a man's world as a woman. And I know a lot of people will say things about that, but I've had to live in that world in a different way. And I'm comfortable there. I'm comfortable being among the men versus being among the women because women were not good to me through the years. So I found my comfortable place in with men. And I love the fact that they taught me a lot of things from their point of view, which helped me become a better person and a better mother towards a male. Because I've had people say that you can't raise a boy child if you're a single mom. That's not true. That's not true. You can do a lot of things if you put your mind to it. And I was never embarrassed about being a young mom. I was never embarrassed about my body because our body morphs and changes. And when you become a young parent, your body does some weird stuff. And you're not perfect. You're not what everyone looks at and calls perfect. You change. Your hips expand, you get stretch marks, your boobs sag. I know I'm going off the rails with this, but it is what it is. Being a young mom at 17, my body changed tremendously. And I never let it bother me. I had people tease me, call me fatty, four eyes growing up. A lot of that teasing was embarrassing. And I used to look in that mirror and be embarrassed about what I saw. But then I started developing this, you know what, screw you all. This body gave birth to a child. This body is amazing because as a human being, we can do incredible things with our bodies. So I started taking on a different feeling towards that. And it still hurt when people would look at me and say things about my weight or something else. You know, I have a crooked eye. That's always there when I'm looking at people, they see it and they tease me about being cross-eyed. And I'm like, you know what? I have blue eyes. The eyes are the windows to the soul. If you can't see that and you want to tease me because my eye goes crooked, then screw you. Don't look in my eyes if you have a problem with it. But living with judgment from others on the things that we've gone through and what we do, embarrassment, man, it's just hard sometimes. It's hard as a human being to allow other people to do that. We actually allow that to happen. Allow what? The judgment? We allow it to affect us. Yes, ultimately I do think it's, it's a choice um, to, to allow that to affect us. And we somehow, again, that's why I go back to this commonality of experience, this, this woman who wrote in, if she had a friend who went through what she went through, she would probably advise that friend to, you know, make the reports and do those sort of things. But because it's her, she places this higher standard above her and on her. And then she says, okay, well, I can't do that. That's okay for my friend Sally, but I can't do that. But one thing that was so 
key to me in what you said, and, and I'm, it came up earlier, is the transitory nature of what you're talking about. You, because so many times you said, I used to be, I used to be, I used to be, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's so true that when you think about those things, like if this woman doesn't report, leaves it alone, or keeps her, you know, lets the $1,000 go and cuts it, which is a fine decision, I think down the road, a few years from now, she says, well, why was I embarrassed by that, right? Yeah. And it takes, it takes a level of courage, certainly, to not be judged by or to accept the judgment, to take it on, okay? But people are, that are going to judge you for that, like I say, and it's even harder when it gets to family, to me aren't worth being in your life, right? If they're going to judge you for whatever, then they're not, they're not worth being in your life. I mean, I think about when I was, you know, the, the attorney from for Jody Arias, and I was on TV, you know, eight hours a day, uh, probably way more than that, actually, because they replayed the trial. So let's just say just pretty you much all, the, judged, all the fucking time, right? <laughs> and I was getting judged for yeah. everything, like my tie, my socks, my shoes. Um, you know, people remember when I mispronounced words, Damn. right? Like, you know, and, and which is okay, it's fine, whatever. But, but, you know, I had, I didn't have a choice, right? Everybody, everybody was going to judge everything I did, no matter what, right? And I was never going to please anybody. If I put on an orange tie, somebody's going to say, why the hell you wear an orange tie, put on a blue tie. <laughs> Somebody say, why the hell don't you wear an orange tie, right? And that's just the way it was. And yeah, it was frustrating. But, you know, in the end, it doesn't ma- it, it didn't matter to me. It didn't affect my life. They were strangers. And even if they were friends, you know, I would say to this woman, and if somebody's judging you, they're giving, they're offering you an invitation to dismiss them from the, from your life. Most of the time, judgment is just projection. Yeah, and we begin to break down the walls, right? We become um, we become leaders and examples. Like I said, with this this woman and her, and her son becoming an example, saying, "I'm not going to let the fear of judgment stop me from doing X, Y, or Z." And that begins to break down walls because there's this reality that we all function with. This is these, so many of the conversations we have, and, and this show is great because it's an exception to that, are so logistical, right? They're, what have you been doing? How's work going? How's the weather where you're at? And that could even be true of family, right? When we right. talk to uh, relatives off somewhere, how's your job going? How's little Johnny in third grade, whatever, right? And it's almost all logistical. It's never, boy, I'm, I'm feeling really embarrassed because I got taken by a catfisher and I'm just feeling really stupid. We don't have those conversations when those are the exact conversations we have, right? Right. Maybe those conversations would put, take the show off the air. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't be needed here. But, but that's the point, and that's... That's why I said we're not going to be able to solve embarrassment in this one conversation. But you just start getting down that road to start having these conversations. And I don't know if she's, you know, told anyone else in her world or not about this. But I would think, you know, she should try. She should consider, you know, going to law enforcement, that sort of thing. Because 
what she does, and, and, and like I say, it's all connected, could prevent someone from feeling the way she does right. down the road, right? And that's not an obligation of hers. But it's, but it's an understanding of this is how these things keep moving along is because they don't, the conversations don't take place. Right. And she told me that um, she's going to refrain from meeting anybody online again because this took about a year of her life. And she was in the preparation stages of sharing this with her son because this man was going to come stay with her. So that's, you know, the bottom line is, she fell for someone she didn't know. And it just breaks my heart because I see this happen so often. And, you know, I have guys that will always try to private message me. LinkedIn's become the new, um, you know, Tinder, I guess, because I get a lot of messages on LinkedIn from people. We are getting a lot of dating tips today, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Gentlemen, do not hit on Robin through LinkedIn. No, if you want to meet me, meet me in person. Let me feel your energy. (laughs) Then I'll I'll make a decision whether or not I want to go out with you. That's the bottom line. I have to meet someone in person. I don't do online stuff. It just, it freaks me out when I get private messages from guys hitting up on me because 99% of the time they're married. They're looking Mm -hmm. to cheat. Or they're players. And I don't do that. I, I'm kind of like over all of that. You know, I just, I don't know. And it, we, we've got enough chairs in here for the date Robin Cote no, uh, no, dating no, no, game. No, 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 no. We're not going there. You know, I just. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to a member of the collective, Trey Goodman. Maybe he'll get that. Uh, oh, he'll get that on YouTube. No. Win a date with Robin. No. no but, <laughs> Now you try to pimp me out. Yes, yes, the tides are turning. But, but you know, I don't think it's just a matter of catfishing, though, because what you keep talking about keeps going back to this idea of, uh, of catfishing. But it is very universal. Right. It is, I think, your point ultimately is n- not to give people dating tips, but to say, look, this is quite normal. This happens. Yeah. And if you don't object to it and obviously you know objects is different in different circumstances but um you know even if you had quote-unquote fell for it like a guy on linkedin or whatever um there's still nothing to be embarrassed about no it's not i and i don't mind talking about it now because it is the norm it happens all the time i have so many friends that have been catfished i've had so many friends that have found luck with online dating what works for them might not work for someone else. But the bottom line is you can't be embarrassed by it because it does happen. People are people. Things happen. And like you said, if people around you are judging you for something that happened, you might want to uh, think about moving them to the outer circle. What do you call that? The layer C? See you later? Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. It's just people who missed uh, some of the, my previous shows. There's A friends, B friends, and C friends. And A friends are the friends that lift you up. Be friends are kind of in the middle, you know, kind of sometimes they lift you up. And see friends are the ones that always tend to kind of drag you down with their judgments or or their criticisms of you, what have you. And the C can also stand for see you later because those are the people that um, you need to dismiss out of your life. And I think when I say that also, too, when we talk about judgment and the fear and and ultimately, that fear of judgment comes to just like this universal rejection, right? It goes down to that whole idea that, you know, you're wearing kids instead of Nikes, so all the kids in the 
playground aren't going to play with you, right? It's the same concept extrapolated out. I got catfish when I'm older, so all my friends aren't going to want to be friends with me anymore if they knew that, right? That's the, that's the fear. But what isn't accounted for, in my opinion, is the fact that new, more positive influences and people will come in to her life. My suspicion would be if this woman were to report this um, or come public with it or whatever she decides to do. I think it would benefit her children, but also if her friends judged her, there might be other people that come to her in that and have that conversation, the non-logistical conversation that I would say, and say, that happened to me too. Thank you so much for coming out. And that happened to me five years ago, and I was too embarrassed to come out. And I admire you so much for coming out because it's exactly what is going to happen. It happens lickety-split. They're just inviting themselves out of your life and new people that are going to be A friends are, gonna, are going to come into your life. Right. Right. You've got to cycle them out because that's just the way life is. We lose people. We gain people. And sometimes the losses are the, for the better. Yeah. And we don't think about that when we're in the throes of embarrassment. No, no. And sometimes, I mean, I'm like the reverse now. I have to watch my mouth because sometimes there's no filter on me. <laughs> I'll just say things and I can see people like that, but sometimes you can see somebody's face getting a little red and embarrassed because they don't know how to deal with someone that just has no filter. Sometimes it just speaks the truth and is not afraid to, I'm not afraid of being judged by anybody. And I used to be being in the, in the media, being a public figure, you always worry. They used to make me sign these clauses all the time that I would be a, good person in public that I wouldn't do anything that could look bad on any of the stations I worked for. And, you know, there was a situation I can't really get into too much depth, but a little over a year ago, I had somebody from my past who broadcasted some stuff that was very bad about me. And I could have just went back in the weeds, but this was stuff that happened over 20 years ago. Why would they be bringing it up? So I took on the fight and I actually went after them and I succeeded. And I was embarrassed that it wasn't something that to be embarrassed about, but it was embarrassing that someone would mention me by name and attach a bunch of lies. And it wasn't fair to me. I understand the Me Too movement. I understand why a lot of people were afraid to stand up and fight because they were embarrassed that they got caught up in it. They were embarrassed to admit that, yes, I went to that motel room and I did something with him because I wanted to further my career and I was afraid. I understand that. And I get that. You know, um, I think you, you, you stumbled onto something there because one of the things, because, you know, I'm in, I'm in the true crime world a bit, um, and I did some commentary on the Harvey Weinstein trial, and I watched a lot of that trial. A lot of those victims come forward and tell their stories in one of the most public ways you can. I mean, they, New York didn't allow cameras, so they weren't being broadcast live over the air, but they were still being recorded and uh, right. audibly and stuff. And obviously their names were known and their pictures were shown. And one thing I would say to anybody out there, and I don't want to get too far down that road, but the point is how much admiration, generally speaking, are these women held in? How much high esteem are they held in for their courage to come out and 
make those declarations about what Mr. Weinstein did to them, right? Right. And it's a, it's, it's a totally different ball of wax in some ways, but it's totally different in others for this woman because I think her friends and some of her people and, and those new A friends that, that come to her are going to hold her in that same esteem. And so will her kids and maybe her family, maybe the people she fears judgment from the most, whoever that is to her, that those people are going to hold her in higher esteem rather than lesser esteem. Right, right. And she mentioned a lot about her family growing up with the the religious beliefs, and that's why she's had a hard time dealing with this, because she's struggling with the past belief that she's supposed to be this type of person— but yet she feels like she's trying to be herself and find love in the world again. And that's what she was talking to me about is the fact that the religious basings on her growing up, she was held to a different level with her family. That's why she's afraid to say anything. And I sent her an email back and I said, look, it's an experience that many people have, you know, and being catfished by a total stranger is one thing because you don't know who they really are. In a sense, I was catfished by my ex-husband because his profile was littered with lies. And as we developed our relationship, those lies became revealed. So the person he sold himself to me as was not the person he really was. I didn't get the real version of him for many, many years. So I kind of, in a sense, feel like I was catfished, even though he looked like his photo. He lived here in town. I still feel in the sense that I was catfished by him. I was literally embarrassed being married to him for many years because we ran a business together. And every time we would go meet with clients, I could see how much of an asshole he really was. All he would do was talk to the husband and not listen to the wife. So I would listen to what she was saying, and he was choosing to ignore her. Now, we all know you're married, Kirk. We all know when you're married, happy wife, happy life. You don't want to fight with your wife. If you're designing your outdoors, your wife is going to have a lot to say about it. Well, you know, and she's probably going to listen, so you know. usually I don't bring her up, but you know I'm just deadly scared of my wife. So. <laughs> She is a badass. <laughs> she is she a is. badass. She is. Um, but, you know, when, when we're looking at that situation, I remember being there all the time, and I had to become the woman's voice and get in front of him and say, he wasn't listening to anything she would say, and he was always trying to impose things. And I would constantly say, look, she's already told you this is what she likes. Let's talk about that. So I'm always in the form of redirecting, you know, like an attorney redirecting. And I remember just all the time how embarrassed I was being out on estimates with him. And I just kept thinking, I gave up a 30-year career in broadcasting for this. And I don't know why I was embarrassed. I was more embarrassed for her being ignored because this was her money. This was her backyard. Yeah, her husband was there. But I guarantee you they're both going to hash it out as to what they want. And she's going to get 75% what she wants, if not 100%. I mean, there were just situations that I was always put into embarrassment. And no, 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 no. I allowed myself. You to allowed be, yourself yes. to put into embarrassment, yes, right? Yes, I did. And you even said this yourself. You even went so far as to say, I was embarrassed for someone else. 
I felt bad for her because she couldn't have a voice. And it's like, wait a minute. Yeah, but you can feel bad for him, but feeling bad for him and being embarrassed is two different things. Sympathy and taking on their embarrassment is, is two different things, right? Yeah. So you're like a sponge of sucking up embarrassment, right? As right. A, as a tool of, uh, of self-loathing. Yes. Yeah. And that's that bottom line throughout that whole relationship with him. I knew I had issues with self-esteem because I was this very strong, powerful person who really thought I loved myself. But being involved with him showed me that I didn't because there were things that were happening every single day that he was saying and doing that were beating me down. I allowed that into my life for some reason. And it was embarrassing to actually be in public with him because of the way that he would act and the things that he would say. But, you know, that's, that's on me. I took that on for 11 years. Yeah, I mean, you, you allowed it. You accepted it. You chose to be embarrassed by it. I mean, maybe what would have been different, I guess, if you weren't embarrassed by it? I don't know. You know, it's hard to say. It's hard to go back. But at the same time, you know, and I sound like a broken record, but this is transitory. All this oh, stuff yeah, is it's transitory, always transitory. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, even, even when we talk about relationships and everything else, it, every single bit of embarrassment is, is, is transitory. That's very true. And we don't think about it because we're caught up in the moment. We're always caught up in the moment when we're feeling it. We don't think about it. And then, like you said, somewhere down the road, it's like, why the hell was I embarrassed by that? But, and, I, and I've said this before in shows, but one of the things we can do is realize that that fear embarrassment the the fear that we label as embarrassment or what have you is something not only transitory in terms of you know it's soon going to be in our history but that also illustrates the reality that it's not us it's not who we are meaning the 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 catfish victim isn't always a catfish victim she existed before she was a catfish victim and she'll exist after. Right now, I would guess, or I wouldn't be surprised for it to be true that she took on, she's taking on this as I was a, a catfish victim, as if that's who she is or part of who she the is. The identity, yeah. Right, the identity of it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. If you start looking at it as something separate from you because realizing that, you know, using your uh, dating example um or your your marriage this idea that you know this this man catfished you to some degree and you were a bit of a victim of that during the marriage and that and then it's then it's over right and so the point is that's not who you are all the way through Mm -mm. you don't have to bear that label now and you can get past it because, you know, you think about even when we talk about what was you, you know, I went through this exercise a long time ago with one of my mentors and it's like, what were your problems 10 years ago? And I think I was supposed to get something completely different out of it than I did. But what I got was a sense that um, I didn't remember what those problems were, which made them demonstrated to me that they were highly transitory because, you know, like somebody cut me off or I, Somebody slammed their car door into my new truck or whatever, right? It was all forgotten. And I think if you look at, you can look at embarrassment the same way. The things that you were supposed or felt like at the time you were supposed to be embarrassed about, 
you're not embarrassed about it anymore. Like, so the extreme example might be having the wrong pair of shoes when you're in grade school, right? But right. you don't ever think, oh my God, that's, that's just fatal, right? If you have the, you, and then you're probably going home to your mom or dad crying, saying, I want new shoes because the kids are making fun of my kids and I need to have Nikes or what have you, right? Right. And th- that's no different than the way it is now. Like maybe you go to a, a, a fancy party at a, or at a nice house and you're driving a beat-up Pinto or something, right? I don't know if Pintos are still on the road, but <laughs> let's no. say they are. Oh, <laughs> Let's say they are. The guy who wins the uh, Get Real with Robin dating contest will no. earn himself a, a no. No, you're not, you're not pipping me out. Sorry. But, but uh, you know, you park it down the street so people don't see it because you're embarrassed what kind of car you have, all those sort of things, right? And those are so transitory and silly because I bet if we all look back in our lives at things we were supposed to be embarrassed about five, ten years ago, we won't even know what they are. You won't even know what they are or they're not playing an impact in your life. So why give it to them now? Why exactly. give it to them now? So... You know, it's just, it, you know, some people say, oh, you know, and I could hear people listening to this saying, well, that's easier said than done. And I've said this before, too. No, it's easier done than said. Because when you say it, you start having a discussion. It brings up a discussion with your ego, your mind, that part of you that doesn't want to be judged. When in your heart, you know that this is wrong and you need to call the authorities, using the catfish example. Then just do that. And let be guided by that and you know it it won't have the impact that you fear it has and if it does so what yeah so what i mean we've all been judged at a time or two so who gives a damn right you know i'm judged even now because of the platform i'm on because i speak loud and proud about the shit that's happened in my life i lost a child over it i never really had her to begin with But when that first book came out five years ago, she didn't want to talk to me ever again. She said, you just put me in a book where everybody can recognize who I am because you're using your real name. It's like, this isn't your story. It's mine. I didn't talk about her very much in that book. But the fact that she was angry at me because she was embarrassed to have people find out her background, her her backstory, it wasn't even her backstory. It's my backstory. And we can't allow others' fear or embarrassment or judgment to affect what we're going to do. Because if we find our voice, I mean, God willing, if we're able to find our voice and speak up about things that we're either embarrassed about or we feel like we're going to be judged on, if someone else has an issue with that, screw them. This is your voice. This is your story. You're allowed to say that. We have a mutual friend who's got a book coming out. Her big fear was that family is going to say stuff. I said, look, if the family says things about it, because both her and I write about real life stuff. If someone has an issue with you telling the truth about their placement in your story, then maybe they should have thought twice about how they treated you and what they did to you. If they have a problem with that, that is their problem. If they're going to judge you based on your story, that doesn't matter because that is your story that belongs to you. And I found so much freedom in being able to just tell the story and not worry about what anyone thinks. I've had people who wrote, who read that first book, friends of mine, 
and they were appalled. They said, I wish I'd never read your book. It's like, why? You view me different now? And shook his head. He said, yes. You know, a journalist friend of mine, he says, yeah, I wish I'd never read it. And I said, look, if it weren't for that story, I wouldn't be who I am today. And you like the person I am, right? He says, yeah. I said, then don't judge what happened. Just understand what happened and understand that this is how I became who I am. And that's the hardest part for a lot of people. They're afraid of those skeletons in the closet because they're afraid of being judged. That's part of your story. That's part of who you are. But there is, to me, there's such um, refreshment or a different feeling. You know, you mentioned being seen in, in this, this, this friend of yours. Before he, and saying he didn't want to read the book, before he read the book, what he saw was an image of you that he was creating. Right. And that book broke the image, right? Right. But it got to, you know, got real, right? He got real with Robin and he didn't even know it, right? Right. And that's true with everyone in this situation is because, you know, you come out with this stuff, you're getting, you're getting real. And oh, that yeah. might change the image that you want people to have of you or that people have of you. But if it's a mirage, if it's false, like we talk, you talked earlier about this woman and her religious background, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if it's false and it's not her, then trying to live it is living a lie and something that will be met with regret, I think, down the road, right? I, th- I think so, too. So all those sort of things when we're living this image, and that's, that goes into embarrassment, right? Because, oh, you know, you don't want to be, you know, a successful uh, actor or whatever. We see these actors, maybe they get busted for DUI or whatever, and they're publicly shamed, right? And there's, they, they have this image, and it goes away, right? Or they say something racist or homophobic or whatever, and this image of them goes away. It's not really who, who they are. Aren't we all just better off seeing ourselves as, as who we are as opposed to some self-induced image that we can't live up to? I talk about in my book, to Defend Your Greatness, I talk about perfection, right? You know, there's a chapter on stop trying to project perfection. And part of what's happening here with this woman and, and what, you're, what you're talking about as well with, with your daughter is this image of perfection Right. That, that that they want to have that these these two women want to have about this idyllic childhood, or you know this this successful smart woman can't be single mom can't be taken by catfishers and that image starts to dissolve, but it was a facade anyway. It needs to dissolve before we can connect to ourselves and connect to other people. That's very true. We we hide behind a lot of stuff. We're we're too worried about what others think. And that's, yeah. that's a difficult place to be sometimes, is to be yourself. Yeah, it really is. It can be because we want to have a certain image. Like, you know, we see people, maybe they're buying a car they can't really afford because they want to project success, right, or clothes or whatever it is because they want to project something that could be, be embarrassed. And even as something as simple as maybe not having the money to go out, but maybe spending your rent money going out because... You don't want to tell your friend you can't go out, you can't afford to go out to a, a fancy dinner, right? That's true. And, and you think about how silly that is. But it can be very impactful. And part of ridding ourselves of embarrassment is, is getting real with ourselves and projecting our real self out there. We think about how much we value 
authenticity in others, um, we need to value that. We need to project that in ourselves. You know, you think about, you know, the 80s, right? It was all these, you know, we'd see people in these infomercials with the, I can't even remember the guy's name, but he would have all these Ferraris and Lamborghinis. And, uh. and he was like, I'm a big business success. Be like me, right? And there's a lot of that going around, but it was all image. It was all facade. It was never real. It wasn't about happiness. It wasn't about connecting to who we are. It was just about having all this flashy crap, right? These orange Ferraris. So the point is, the more we get away from trying to project perfection, accepting ourselves as who we are, inviting others who want to be with us in our, real, in our state of realness, um, that's okay, and dismissing the other people. And it's just, it's just that simple because we don't have to get into some big complex debate with ourselves, it's just done. It's not like, well, maybe I'll do this, but my mother's going to say this and that or the other thing. Okay, right, whatever. And you just gave a great example when you're talking about um, your daughter because it's your daughter, right? And your daughter's saying, oh, you embarrassed me and everything Biological, like that. Biological, right, yeah. You're right, and that could come with a heavy emotional burden, but at the same time, even though she objected to it, I bet there's a part of her that is that admires the strength that it took to come out and tell that story. It's I be- possible. I bet there's a part of her, might not be now, going to be down the road where she says, yeah, you know, now I get what what my mom was doing, right? And right. And forward. Right. So, again, it's this effect of realness and all connected because we all have a lot of the same problems, a lot of the same hurdles. We just hide behind this shield of perfection where we just decide that we don't want anyone to see that we're not perfect when the reality is none of us are perfect no if we were we would be dead right we're here for a reason to learn things and we're here to deconstruct and reconstruct ourselves all throughout lifetime you know but uh, you know as far as my daughter we've never actually met in person in her adult years so i connected with her when she was 18 she's now 34 we've never actually met face to face but we've had conversations we haven't spoken in five years because of that first book. But right at that point, she had met her biological father, my ex-husband. And of course, there were things going on, what he used to do, the mind games and the toxicity going on, because that was a very abusive relationship when I was very young. So he did the same things to her emotionally and mentally. So I understand where she's coming from, but I can't condone someone taking saying to me, her last sentence to me was, I pitied you for what you went through, but I no longer do. That to me was so ridiculous of a statement because when you are a person who's been assaulted, who's been physically beaten down, been hit down with words, and you feel like you have no self-esteem whatsoever, and you're just existing because you have to, to hear those kind of words all those years later, that was like, a big middle finger right back at her. It was like, fuck you. I'm telling my story. This has nothing to do with you. You are not a part of my life that I can sit down and cry about because I've had to live with the fact that that child was ripped out of my life thanks to her father. He didn't want girl children. We didn't know that at the time, but it came out later. The fact that he did that and took that part of my life away from me 
it took me a long time to get that back. It took me a long time to realize that, hey, I am worth something. But that was a secret that was supposed to be kept because I was being threatened with that secret every day. You know, we talked about this on a prior show. He threatened me every single day. Don't tell anybody or I'll kill our son, make you watch and kill you. That was a threat I live with every day. I was scared. I was embarrassed to even feel like I didn't have a voice. I'm not afraid to use that voice now. And I guarantee you he doesn't like that I do, but that's not my problem. And that's where we have to get to as a human being is not being afraid of the things that happen to us. Don't let it embarrass you. Don't keep it a secret. Don't hide it because it will eat away at you. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. This is 2020. There's so much shit in this world that's happened to so many different people. I guarantee you, if you go online and ask a question on Google pertaining to something that's happened to you that you feel embarrassed about, somebody else has had that happen too. There is strength in numbers. There's so many voices out there who have experienced something very similar, if not even worse. And yet they're not allowing the embarrassment or the judgment anymore. They're saying, I've had enough of this. I can't live like this anymore. And that's why I started telling people. I was never afraid to tell people after a few years because I'm like, this is my life. If I don't own this, what am I going to do? Face this embarrassment for the rest of my life because something happened? You know, these choices. When you tell someone, I didn't raise my daughter, they think you gave up your daughter or that your daughter was taken away. And when I explain the situation... They freak out. They're like, wow, that really happened? Well, why didn't you go out after her? Well, shit, I was 20 years old when I got divorced. I already had a two and a half year old. I wasn't making a ton of money. Where was I going to go get legal help to get her back? And I tried, but nobody wanted to help me. So I had to let her go. And it was one of those secrets that people go, Robin, oh my God. You know, and it's like, what? I'm being honest about it. Why should I hide what happened? Nobody should be embarrassed. Even in my own family, my aunt gave up a baby for adoption and nobody knew for many, many, many years, not even my own mom, her sister. Nobody knew until this woman found her years later. She was too embarrassed to say that she, was, that she gave up a child. My mom gave up a daughter for adoption when she was young. She's always talked about it, but in my childhood, she was embarrassed to talk about it. And I even... Remember at eight years old, hearing her say something to someone on the phone. And she goes, don't ever talk about that again. But it goes back to a timeline because that generation didn't talk about those things. The scarlet letter on your chest if you gave up a child for adoption. But why should we be embarrassed? We shouldn't be. This is part of our journey. This is part of our life. We have to own what we've been through. And who gives a damn what people think? Yeah, I mean, we still obviously have to live with each other, and there. So there, but at the same time, which I could, you know, hear people saying, "Well, we still got to get along," and we do have to get along to some degree. But it doesn't mean that we have to supplant ourselves in favor of getting along and pleasing others. It's just that simple, you know. And if you know, hopefully, what you said today, very personal, and you know, it'll put it in context because we think about these things and deeply personal things and stuff that you put in your book, uh, Victim No More, is this, you know, all these things that could be potentially embarrassing. And ultimately, 
you were empowered by it. And it just goes back to what I'm saying earlier. When we come out with these things, like the, the Harvey Weinstein victims, all these people, they're ultimately empowered by their choice, and they ultimately inspire others. And I think we get closer to ridding the world of embarrassment when we just decide to stop projecting perfection and understand that we are flawed, that everybody's flawed. You know, even the guy in the new Tesla in the new suit is flawed, and that's okay, and we all just live with it. We accept our imperfections. It would mean a lot to everybody in this world moving forward if we just decided we're not going to be embarrassed by things anymore. Wow. Ooh, we always have heavy conversations, don't we? Well, yeah, but I mean, the dating show, which will oh, be coming no, up no, soon, no, no, um, no, once, no. once we talk to Trey, we'll get that together. No. Um, that God. will be a little less serious. But, you know, yeah, it is serious. But, but this, you know, these are the conversations we have to have, right? Because, yeah. because, and that's what's so great about this show is the idea that we're not having a logistical conversation no. like, hey, no. how you are? Yo, it's hot and we can talk about the weather and you know, everything else, because right? those are the conversations we have. We don't really connect to each other when we have those surface-level conversations. Whether they're awkward, uncomfortable, or not, you know, um, that's okay, too. That's part, of the, that's part of the process. We have conversations right. with people say, I don't particularly agree with this, and, and that's okay, right? Right. And so, you know, the, uh, my hope is when I keep showing up for this show is that, uh, you know, you like it. I have nothing else to do, actually. Oh, I, yeah, I, right. I, I sleep down the hall. Um, <laughs> but but, uh, but at the same time is to to start having these conversations. I think there's value in having these conversations because hopefully it'll inspire others to have these conversations at their dinner tables and and and, and over coffee and things like that, because. Um, you know, we can't get anywhere if we're just talking about logistical stuff. We don't connect to ourselves, and we don't truly connect to others. And I think um, the planet evolves more, and, and we all are better off when we start connecting to ourselves and loving ourselves and loving another and accepting us, us the person in the mirror, and the us around us as being every bit as as flawed and and fragile and in need of love as we are. Yeah, and the reason why I always share so much about my own personal history, I don't like to do that a lot, but I notice that it does come out, but that's just part of who I am because I wish when I was younger, someone had thrown me the life preserver. I didn't get that. So if I can express from a human being level just one person, you know, if I can say something that resonates with somebody, that makes all the difference. I don't mind sharing because that's how we learn from one another. We teach one another. There's no reason for me to really physically be alive on this planet after everything I've gone through. So why shouldn't I? I don't mind that. And it's not embarrassing anymore. It does get emotional because there are scars. We all have scars of the things we've been through. So, you know, my biggest thing is I'm not afraid to say things. And I don't think anybody out there should ever be embarrassed to talk about the things they've been through because not only is it cathartic to you, but you're going to help somebody. 
someone's going to listen to you and hear something. Well, what I would say to that is scars can only heal if they're, they're shown in the light of day. Boy, that's a very poignant statement. Ah, oh, man. What do you say we finish this thing? Sure. All right. You know, there's a certain level of freedom when we no longer care about what others think of us. We shouldn't be embarrassed to be ourselves. We shouldn't be silenced because of the fear of someone else judging us. We shouldn't be embarrassed by the actions of others around us. Those actions are on them, not us. Never be afraid to show who you are. Most of the time, others judge us because they are just too afraid to look in the mirror and face their own bullshit. Your story is just that, your story. Be proud of who you are and use those mistakes as stepping stones in your life and don't allow the embarrassment to keep you silent and in the shadows. If there's a subject matter you'd like to see us cover on Get Real with Robin, you can always drop me a line at robin at robincote.com. That's R-O-B-I-N at R-O-B-I-N-C-O-T-E dot com. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to Get Real with Robin. Join Robin Cote and her co-hosts, known as The Collective, each week as they delve into subject matters most are afraid to talk about, but really need to hear. Join us next week here on Star Worldwide Networks as we continue to get real.